Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm single. Because, you know, I'm sure you all were just dying to know more intimate details of my personal life. <laughs> no, but I've, I've talked about this before. I moved over to Germany for or because of a relationship, and now I am single. And I have found this whole experience to be just deeply fascinating because I am now single in Germany and I'm a foreigner. I'm dating as a foreigner. This is a totally new experience for me. Actually, dating overall is a new experience for me. I've always been really fascinated by dating, but it's never been something that I've been personally all that interested in participating in. <laughs> I get a little stuck in my head and I, I struggle to really understand what dating is and why people do it and how it could possibly be effective and I just have a lot of questions and in my personal experience so far I've spent the vast majority of my 20s in long-term committed relationships and those relationships came out of people I knew through friends or what have you so the actual idea of just going on dates with people is a new one to me but hey here I am I'm dating or trying to. <laughs> I don't know if I'm doing it exactly right. And I wanted to talk about it on the podcast because I think it's so fascinating and so interesting. I think the thing for me about dating is because it's just this little microcosm where your identity and your culture come into contact and, and sometimes conflict with other people's identities and their culture. And you can just learn so much about yourself and about these other people through how they handle the situations. And if you listen to the show, you've probably caught on that I am just so fascinated by people and the way that they go through the world. And so this is just perfect for me <laughs> in terms of having interesting things to talk about and think about. But yeah, I am really excited to be getting this episode to you guys. My guest is Justin. He is a fantastic guest to have because he's also American, also living in Germany, but sort of the opposite. So I date guys and Justin dates girls. So we were really able to have a cool talk about what it is like sort of on the other side of things. I do want to say that because I find dating so interesting, I would be really open to doing more episodes about dating as an expat or an immigrant, especially with people who have different gender identities or sexual orientations or different identities and cultures that are coming into play. So yeah, this is a good place to start. But if anyone listens to this and has some of their own stories or perspectives to share, shoot me a note. I would love to do another dating episode in the next season. But for now, we're going to kick it off with me and Justin chatting about why dating apps are the worst. Enjoy. I'm Justin. Uh, from Los Angeles. I grew up in a small town actually in the city of LA called El Segundo. And I've been here in Nuremberg for three years. So uh, I moved in August 23rd, 2017. I um, I moved three weeks before then. Oh, So we have yeah. very similar Deutsch tags. Yeah. Happy three-year anniversary. Yeah, Happy three-year anniversary to you too. And had you lived anywhere else besides LA before coming here? So this is a this is a podcast about dating or you know this episode and so when I go through like a major breakup or anything like that I usually make drastic life choices because I I live in a black and white state 
Um, <laughs> and so uh, when I broke up with my first serious girlfriend, I quit my job at a bank and joined the Obama campaign in 08 when I was 21. And so I lived in Las Vegas as a full-time volunteer for three months. The next year, I moved to South Carolina for a year to join a program called City Year. I was working on recruiting 100 middle school students to do 100 hours of community service. And then I moved back, lived in other places in Southern California. Did you, when you came to Germany, were you already single then? Yes. So I got divorced on, uh, or I separated from my ex-wife on uh, February 14th. 2015 and so what a date Sorry. i know right not gonna let that slip by no i mean i like i don't know it, it for me every year like i celebrate with my friends and stuff and i like spending time around community on that day yeah so that was that was 2015 and then my life kind of spiraled a lot and you know ended up leaving my job and it took a little bit for me to like kind of pull myself back together and then I got this job at uh, 510, which is a rock climbing and mountain biking brand. And uh, in 2017, um, Adidas had bought them in 2012, but then decided in 2017 to integrate them into their Adidas Outdoor. And so they moved a few of us over. And so I, I was like, yes, of course, I'm going to move over to another to Europe because I've always wanted to do that. And I have no other prospect to go to Europe otherwise. It was also a good time for me to just kind of like break away from the toxic community that I had been in for the past couple of years. I kind of love a good uh, complete fresh start. I did that. I did that once when I moved from South Carolina to Chicago and it made everything actually a lot easier because a lot of the crap you actually literally left behind. And then you're like, OK, great. And onwards. That being said, moving to another country has a lot of complications and challenges in and of itself. Um, and also I imagine within the dating sphere. So to bring it back to that, oh, so many things, so many questions. Um, <laughs> I, I just want to ask generally, first off, how's it, how's it been for you being single and dating as an American living in Germany? It's been, yeah, it's been fine. 90% of the, like the people that I've dated, I've met through, my church slash religious tradition called Unitarian Universalism. Almost nobody knows what that is. Uh, it's a religious tradition from the 1960s um, when the Unitarians and Universalists got together and realized like, hey, we're not uh, necessarily Christians, but like we want to practice this like religious tradition of respecting people's individual spiritual paths. So uh, when I was a teenager, we would go and do these like we called them cons and they were like conventions or something but they were like over a weekend we like a bunch of high schoolers would get together in a church and do whatever the, lots lots of them were social justice themed others were just like having a good time and so most of the people that I've dated have been through that because they were these like intensely emotional experiences where you're really opening yourself up to people over like a three-day weekend that you're not going to see for another month or two. It's not like that you're just like constantly in an emotional state where you're just like open. It's just you have those intense experiences and then you go back to your regular life. And so like a lot of my relationships came out of that because you would have these like really deep and honest conversations about like who you were and, you know, what you were interested in and what you were looking for. And then hormones and whatever like you're a teenager and you're <laughs> you're stuck in a room for for three for three days so so from there I didn't really have an experience of like how do you date normally which 
because the way that I've always seen it is, is like this, it's actually more of a community experience, right? Like where you have overlapping friends groups that kind of meet up and say like, Hey, like you're single, I am single. And like, you know, we work well together and we're attracted to each other. And also you have this big trust network that also says that you're a good person and I should spend time with you. So I guess to answer your question, like I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, (laughs) Well, it also sounds like the conference experiences, you're also in a situation where it's socially acceptable to be super open and vulnerable and put a lot out on the table. And then the people you're with, they either take it or they don't, right? And that's not always how it works when you're just sort of casually dating a stranger. You can't just like, I mean, I guess you could on a first date when you've never met this person before been like, here are all my thoughts and feelings. Maybe they would respond well. I, I've heard rumors that this can happen even through dating up first meetup, but a bit of a different setting. Like it just makes more sense in that other setting that that would be within that culture and that community. It's appropriate, but doesn't necessarily happen in the wild. Because I mean, let's call it what it is. Dating apps are the wild. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So but I hate dating apps and I hate them very <laughs> specifically because like they emphasize that just in, like a lot of our digital technologies, they emphasize the like individual experience over like the implied greater network of, of how things are important. Right. So like, yes, it is. You're, you're totally right. The dating apps are the wild, but they're also such a flat experience, right? Because it's just like people's pictures and then maybe like 260 characters, of which most of those are in German and I speak no German. So like I either have to um, put that into Google Translate or I'll figure this out as as I go along. Well, wait, so stop here. The women write things? Because I can tell you the men don't. <laughs> I mean, I, I, or okay, so maybe I've done it wrong. I, I've written things. And yeah, the, the women have like, not all of them, I'd say like 60% of them have something there. It's usually just like, hey, I like hiking and I'm a dog lover and I like drinking wine. And like, by the way, don't hit me up if you um, just want to have a one night stand. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Like that's, that's, that's fine. Um, But it's no, it's not, it's not real. It's not, not any depth to it. Well, because my experience with German Tinder is it's even more pointless in this way because Germans as a society, they're very private. You know, if they have a social media account, they probably don't post much on it. And this carries over, I've found to the dating apps too, where the men's profiles are like two pictures, literally of one will be the back of their head. And the second is them either in Freiburg, it's one of two things. Um, They're either on a mountain bike or they are climbing a wall, like rock climbing. And in either case, they are covered in gear and or far away. And so you have no idea what they look like. Um, I guess you kind of know that they like this one activity, but also like do they? Or is that just what you do here? You just promote yourself as like a mountain biker and or climber. Um, And then they put nothing in their profile except maybe their height, which is in meters. I don't even know what to do with that information if I did care. And so I'm like, I don't understand how I'm supposed to possibly make a decision about if I even want to. I also, okay. Also side note, I'm I still swipe wrong all the time. I accidentally super liked someone the other day who I was trying to make disappear from I my do screen. all like, of that I do that so <laughs> often <laughs> so I'm like trying to swipe whatever the appropriate direction is but I'm like well what even what do I do I don't know the back of your head looks fine <laughs> and then yeah I just think it's really silly so I did I when I was back home in the states for Christmas I, I downloaded tinder then just as like a, an experiment 
And it's so different. Like people think about what they put in their profiles. Like they have a whole array of pictures. They have all this information in the description. Um, I'm not saying that that actually is effective, but I mean, at least you have something to go off of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I would say definitely the women, at least in Nuremberg, there's a lot more pictures of them doing the fun things that they enjoy doing, like, you know, from mountain climbing to surfing or something then there is some information in their profile. But like, I still think it's an ineffective way of like understanding who you're meeting. And it yeah. sounds like it's worse in Freiburg. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So then I also went through this phase where I was like, because I have the same feeling. I also think it's all really pointless and, and not effective. But I was like, maybe this is just Tinder. Like, to be fair, Tinder was built for hookups. And I started using Tinder during lockdown just because I genuinely was like, I literally only want to talk to people. I don't want to meet anyone at that point. And I was like, great, we literally can't meet. This is ideal. I'll give it a go. <laughs> so anyway, then I'm using it. And then I'm like, okay, maybe this is just the wrong app. It's a hookup app. I'm here for the wrong purposes anyway. So I did an experiment and I downloaded as many different apps as I could find. And I found that there aren't as many apps here. You know, I think in the States, talking to my friends when they're dating there, I mean, there's there's a dating app for almost any identity that you have whether it be a religion or a sexual orientation or even like a kink or an um, sexual interest or something like that, there's an app for it. Whereas here, I ended up doing a grand experiment of three different platforms, Tinder, Hinge, and Bumble. Have you tried any of Bumble or what did I say? Hinge. Hinge. So yeah. I, I've tried Bumble. I liked it. It was okay. Although like the gimmick with Bumble is that the, the women like respond first, but that's typically nothing more than, Hey, so it doesn't seem like that. That's like really a great conversation starter. Uh, I haven't <laughs> tried, I haven't tried Hinge, but I had it recommended to me like two weeks ago by one of my friends. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually thinking based on what you're saying, Hinge was the one that, that won me over the most because the you have to upload i think maybe four pictures and then instead of it just being an open field that you put information in you have i think six prompts that you have to choose from a larger list and it could be something like two truths and a lie or my ideal first date or i'm trying to remember that one's kind of boring but there were some more interesting ones and then when you want to like someone or or reach out to someone it's not based on mutual matching the way that tinder is like on tinder and bumble you basically you both have to agree to each other before you can start a conversation but with hinge you could send a comment or a response to a specific picture or answer to one of their prompts so it's sort of a direct conversation starter and then they see that they that you wanted to contact them and then they can look at your profile and sort of decide accordingly um, which I found way more effective because the, there would be times where, well, okay, first off, I'm very uninterested in, hey, what's up? This is boring. So it was already way more interesting to me. I feel like we got to the interesting part quicker. And then also there would be people where maybe I'd seen their profile, but I wasn't, I was sort of on the fence, but they wrote to, reached out to me and the thing that they said was interesting and it made me reconsider them which I think is way more authentic to how things happen in real life. You know, it's not always an immediate yes or an immediate no. It's sometimes like a, huh, maybe, depending on if I talk to them and if we sort of vibe, have a good conversation flow. So this app, I thought, actually did a really good job recreating that. My problem, another reason that it makes it especially hard in Freiburg is France and Switzerland are 30 minutes away. So on all of the dating apps, you get 
people from those countries, which it's not inherently bad other than I don't speak French. And Hinge was very clearly not being used by anyone in Freiburg. And it was all Swiss people. Like they just must have advertised it to the Swiss. That's funny because the guy who recommended Hinge to me lives in Basel. So. Yep. See, there you go. <laughs> they did some kind of marketing campaign and I'm sure within that world it's working great. But again, this was all an experiment I was doing back during lockdown or shortly thereafter. Like I wasn't about to go down to Switzerland to meet up with someone. So I don't know, maybe during normal times it's better, but meh. at the end of the day, meh. <laughs> yeah. How did you date before then? You know, over the past, say, two and a half years, like prior to the lockdown? So I moved here with a boyfriend and so I didn't date I just was with him and then I um, actually fun fact had never been on a, a first date until a Tinder date a couple months ago. <laughs> I just always met people in person and even then it was either I wanted to be with them in a relationship sense or not or we had the time as friends to sort of feel that out so I'd never just been on a date and I found I, I still find the whole concept very strange that you just like you go spend time with someone with the explicit understanding that this experience is to see if you want to be in a relationship like if you want to make out and build a life together I'm like, that's weird. You're a stranger. So um, <laughs> I don't know. I, um, I'm i not the ideal candidate for any of this. And I like intentionally don't engage with this whole world, except that now I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of doing it because I don't know how else you're supposed to meet someone during a pandemic. And then second off, I started realizing like, no, it's really not going to work for me, but this is really good practice for my German. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, because I, I learned German. I got fluent in German at the workplace and I noticed that my German personality is my workplace personality, which is kind of stern and not that fun. Um, so I'm trying to become more fun. Um, and I'm sort of I got to a point where I was like, I don't think Tinder's ever really going to work for me, but I can meet up with these dudes, try to see if I can become charming and funny in German and then carry on my merry way. Cool. Well, that sounds like a good learning experience. Are you doing this in German or in English? It's all in English. I I only know the phrases to respond to people who ask me about my very cute dog. They're not even complete sentences in, when I say something. So yeah, I, I know almost no German, but that's apparently doable in Nuremberg just because we have like a giant uh, international community here. There's a lot of English that's spoken, so it's, it's fairly common. I feel bad about it. I want to learn German. I wondered this, like, I think, I, I don't know, I'm just sort of gamifying this whole experience because I think it's just bizarre anyway. And so I can't get past the first level, right? Like my Tinder date experiences have been first dates and they have not progressed. And I've been like, okay, I'm taking this information to mean that I am not charming in German. Um, and so then I'm trying to work on that. But then sometimes I also think, again, I don't, I don't know. I just personally don't really care about any of these experiences. I think that meeting someone in this format, you just don't build enough of a connection where there's really anything to go off of. So I really don't care if I don't have second dates with this, with these people, because I don't know them or like them that much. But, um, but I like, in terms of the game of it, I'm like, okay, like what's going on. And then I wonder, I, I have a couple theories. One is the language thing. I'm like, I wonder if I just went in just speaking English, how that would change the dynamic. And B, I wonder if my identity as a foreigner impacts things. I definitely, the one guy, he was um, from a tiny village in the area and he, you know, he's, he's friends with the same kids he's been friends with since 
high school and goes and visits the parents on the weekends and it's just living like a very local life and I was not all that surprised when he was not that interested in seeing me again because I was like I mean I'm coming in with like yes I can speak the language and I'm pretty familiar with the culture and all this kind of stuff but I'm I'm a total different person and I have like a whole lot of I don't want to call it baggage because that makes it sound negative but just yeah dating a foreigner is a different deal than dating someone from the same place as you and not everyone's trying to sign up for that, especially, again, meeting someone in that way. So I don't know. Do you think that your foreign identity is is factoring into anything in your experiences so far? When I was first moving here, I was actually kind of thinking pretty deeply on that because, like, I wouldn't say, like, I'm an expert at English or anything, but, you know, I'm a native speaker and I, I really love the English language and it, and it has, there's a beauty to it that allows me to really, like, express, express the depths of my heart. One of the questions that I kept kept coming to me when I was moving here was, like, I don't believe that I could learn German to a level to where I could express myself in the same way. It, you know, since so much of our understanding of each other is based on our languages and, but also on other things, but how primary language is, I always felt that that was like a pretty big handicap. And I have, especially on these dating apps, have definitely like been in situations where, where, you know, I've started talking to somebody and and they're like, look, uh, I'm just, I don't feel confident enough in English to keep going. So, you know, I'm sorry. And, and yeah, I mean, and I found that even though like I've got a pretty big community here, I'd still say that like probably 60 or 70, 70% of them are international people where English is the primary communication, even though many of them are fluent in German and stuff. I would say that I still gravitate towards people with a similar cultural understanding of uh, as I have. So the close friends that I find here are, are typically, you know, internationals, typically American. And, and I think that that in some ways that's influenced by the language and that being a barrier to like a deeper relationship. That being said, I have very good German friends who I am incredibly close to and open with, and they are close to and open with, with me, but they once told me this uh, phrase that they have here that uh, Americans are like peaches and Germans are like coconuts. Mm-hmm. I, nice and sweet on the outside, but like the, that hard shell underneath, you know, there's like a, there's a stop to what happens when you're talking with like an American. Like, and whereas it, with, with Germans, they're tough and cold on the outside, but like delicious once you like break through. I always kind of like that metaphor, though I don't think it necessarily, it obviously doesn't apply to everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely some truth to it, at least with how quickly you can get to know someone well. Um, You know, I'm not, I have also met people in person and met through friends. And that's, those are situations where it's gone a lot better, a lot easier. And I feel like I understand the situation and I can work with it. But I think a lot of that is because the work of breaking through that initial shell is not so hard because I'm already connected to someone who's broken through that shell. <laughs> and especially if they're Germans, I, I would agree. A lot of my friends are also international people, but the German friends that I have are clearly already open to international people in their life. And so it's right. not such a crazy concept. And that just makes it a lot easier to navigate or work with those challenges. And then they're not quite barriers. But I also agree that the metaphor is a bit flawed. I think there's also this understanding here in Germany or the stereotype that Americans are 
like an empty core of a of a peach pit. <laughs> they think that once you kind of get through the sweet outside, there's not really a lot of depth or a lot of seriousness there. So that's a stereotype that I've definitely had to work against and other way around too. Like I've had to remind myself that my perception of this hard shell on Germans is not actually totally fair or true. It's just based on certain stereotypes or cultural differences. But another big difference I find is the gender roles and the dating culture overall. And I'm really curious to hear from you as a guy who's been dating women, do you notice a difference in how that male-female dynamic works here versus the States? I mean, I feel like things are a little bit more traditional here. Though, to be fair, like I've only been out with a few German women and it's always been the case that it's been kind of more formal, traditional, but like, and I, I'm from California, you know, like, like that's a, it's a kind of a weird liberal, liberal place, but um, yeah. So unfortunately not in a way that I've been able to like really expound on. I probably just like haven't dated enough Germans for me to like not see it more in depth, but I'm interested in hearing it from your perspective because as the male, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the one who's usually in the more powerful position and people in power typically don't see what the effect of a, a gender dynamic necessarily would be. Yeah. So for me, my last time being fully single was in South Carolina, which so you've lived there for a year. I think you could probably also attest to the gender roles there are very strong. Yes. Where in South Carolina? In Charleston. Oh, okay. I was in Columbia. Aha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So no, there was definitely this idea that men are the pursuers, women are the pursued and you know, I could leave the house with $10 in my pocket and go out for a whole night because guys, they believed that they should be buying me drinks. And pretty much regardless of how much effort they were putting into talking to me or not, it was just like, if you have a conversation with a girl, you buy her a drink, which is patently ridiculous. But I was like, I mean, there's a gender pay gap. And if this is how I'm getting that money back through free drinks, I'll take it. It's fine. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I I had a different experience there in that I put very little effort out. And then I had some time in, in Philadelphia and Chicago where I was going out to bars and I already noticed there these are more northern, less traditional cities. And that expectation is not quite as strong that that men will buy every single girl they make eye contact with a drink. Um, but there's still this idea of men as the pursuers and women as the pursued. And then coming here and finding myself single, it's been really an adjustment because that's not necessarily the case. And I went through this whole journey of being like, oh, okay, I guess I'm just like not appealing to a lot of men here. And that's probably why they're not pursuing me. And it took me a while to catch on to the fact that the dynamics are just really different here and that actually men are not always constantly actively aggressively pursuing women, which was a new concept for me. <laughs> it's just making me notice how much those gender dynamics have been present for me in dating, even though I said I didn't date before. But obviously, you know something about that culture just from growing up in a place and, and being there. And then I've talked to some guy friends about it, and they've said that I, I haven't figured out a really good, eloquent way to put any of this, which is why I haven't done a full episode about um, the gender dynamics here. But basically, um, there's uh, women just seem to be a little bit more confident in their power to communicate their desires or lack of desires as a whole, I would say. And um, that can play into dating. I think there's a pretty good expectation that either party, any party can pursue. So what some of my friends have told me is then they will, they've sort of stopped trying 
to outwardly pursue women, at least initially, they'll wait a lot longer in knowing someone or talking to someone to get flirty or anything in that direction because of this dynamic. I haven't met many people like at bars or something like that because my single time has been largely coinciding with pandemic. But um, I think for me, I've definitely noticed a dynamic even on the apps and in these times where I've met people through friends. I feel like I've had to pursue a bit more and then I felt really comfortable in doing this because it's very accepted and it's not weird and it it kind of evens the dynamic out. So of the dates I've gone on, it's been a pretty even split of they've initiated that or I have. The way I have been approaching things when I talk to my friends back in the States, they're like, wow, this is like you're on it. You're really going for it. And I'm like, oh, I I guess. But here to me, this just feels like how it would work. Like if I'm interested in someone, I would just ask them out or try to start something, you know, and and not necessarily wait for the the guy to do that work. Whereas to be fair, in the past when I was in the States, it would be the other way around. Yeah. I mean, um, all the dates and stuff I've been on, I've been the one to pursue them. But, uh, you know, that could just be anecdotal to my experiences as a whole. I've also heard people who have gotten further along in these processes who have actually started dating people. I've heard them say that there's some differences here, too, where in the States, it's pretty common that you would be seeing multiple people or even if you're not seeing multiple people, you you are not a, a couple. It's not official until a couple weeks or maybe a month or two in and you have this formal conversation of like, we are now boyfriend and girlfriend and then and then it's a thing and there you go. Whereas here, people have told me that they've experienced, if someone's seeing you, they're probably not seeing other people. You can almost assume that. Um, And if they found out you were dating other people, they might be upset. But at the same measure, they're not necessarily ready to have the boyfriend-girlfriend conversation until pretty far in when they're pretty certain that they want to be in a committed long-term relationship with you. Again, this is not categorically true. Of course, every situation is different. But overall, that this sort of defining this relationship moment and calling something a couple happens far later here. But at the same time, that time before then, you're kind of already unofficially together. And I've, I've heard from several North American friends here that this has been really confusing for them to navigate because they're like, they'll, they'll bring it up. They'll be like, hey, can I call you my boyfriend? And the guy will be like, oh, no, no, like that's, that's a lot. And they'll be like, well, I, we've been dating for months and we don't see other people. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And they'll be like, okay, should I see other people? Like, are we trying to do that? And and the guy will be like, oh, I mean, do you want to? Is is that where you're at? And it, it's just this confusing level of not wanting, not feeling it's appropriate to have that full committed statement until later in the process. Yeah, I've definitely like seen that among, among my friends, like where it does take, it just takes longer for them to be, to put a title on it. Whereas if it felt pretty soon afterwards that like when you start seeing somebody like in the States, if neither one of you were seeing other people, you had seen each other enough and had that conversation, then like, you know, that turnaround could be much quicker um, in terms of like applying the label. I've also seen, they also take a lot longer to like get married. So like, I know I've got friends who have been like dating for eight, nine years at this point. And it's like, I was like, okay, well, (laughs) Are you, are you going to get married or like, what's the deal? I, my friends upstairs who moved in upstairs, they've been dating for 21 years and they're, <laughs> they're just, they're never going to get married. And they're like, all right. I mean, you know, there's, yeah, I understand the life choice, but uh, I guess I don't, I, I don't fully understand it. 
I yeah, it's definitely I found that too. Like people will be like, when I have kids, I guess it'll make sense to get married. But they're not necessarily viewing things in the same process of steps that we have. Personally, I love this because I'm not particularly interested in marriage. And um, I always have to work against that when I was in the States. And here it's it's just normal. It's like it's not that radical in this in this one little area. I fit in without problems in this culture. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I and also because they do the marriages are different here in Germany, like where you have a legal marriage and then you, if you want, have a church marriage. But in the States, you know, those things are kind of tied up in one another. We have a couple minutes left. I thought it would be fun if we end with sharing one or two silly dating stories. Yeah. Um, Got <laughs> a, real, a really good one. Yeah? Yeah. Do you, want, do you want to go right for it? Sure. I'll, I'll jump at it. Now, this one this one is embarrassing, but that's kind of my entire life. So um, I like meeting people in real life, right? So um, I met this, uh, this, uh, this German when I was at a Black Lives Matter protest, which was cool. She and Genghis, which is my dog got really attached and Genghis really liked her and stuff. And so when I would be out walking Genghis in like the afternoon, like I ran into her like five or six times. And so, so we exchanged numbers and we decided that we would uh, go out for, for a drink. So we went to this nice uh, cocktail bar. So we, we sat there and we were talking for like two or three hours and we were talking about everything from like philosophy to history, to Buddhism and spirituality and all this stuff and it was like it was like it was hitting all my buttons like it was like it was like oh this is great then she made a comment that was like hey like i really hate those younger generations and i was like come on now at this point i was not sure how old she was but but i had checked with my friends like they were like no she looks you know mid-20s which is kind of like my absolute limit right so i said come on you, you can't be more than 23 or 24 and she said, "No, I'm I'm 17." <gasps> so uh, I paid for the I paid for the drinks, um, and I walked her to the Ubon station, and then I sent her a text message that was like, "Hey, like you're really cool, but um, the age difference is way, way too much for me. So uh, wow. have a good life." So yeah. So what a plot twist! I know, right? I honestly thought you were going to say that she was older than she looked because. What was she talking about? The younger generations, like exactly, like fourteen-year-olds. I don't oh understand. Wow, wild. Yeah. Wow. Uh, after after that, and after laughing about it for a little bit, I realized that there were certain red flags that I should have picked up on. You know, like when when I met up with her to go uh, to go for drinks, uh, she was with her friends, and one of her friends had just got braces on that day. So. <laughs> So, yeah. That was a sign. That was a warning sign. Yeah, that was, yeah, definitely. So uh, okay, well, the one I was gonna tell, I feel like makes me feel a similar way, where I'm just like, oh, okay. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I it was my very first ever date. I was very weirded out by the whole concept. I'm going to meet this guy for socially distant beer on a river. It's fine. I can do this. We go. It goes fine. We finish up. I'm walking to my bike. He's walking with me. And as I'm unlocking my bike from this bike rack in front of the university library, um, he's like, oh, we're right in front of the library. That reminds me. Well, maybe I should tell you that I've never finished a book in my life. And I've encountered this kind of narrative before where people are like, they feel like they need to confess to me 
what their reading history is, but then I feel it's my role as a librarian to like widen people's understanding of what a reader is. Like, I don't need you to read a novel a week to count as a reader. Like, you think broadly, I whatever. I was prepared to go on this whole specific rant that I've taken people down a couple times. And I was like, come on, like in school, you finished a book. He was like, no, I did not. And then I was like, okay. And then like a graphic novel. Have you ever tried a graphic novel? He's like, yeah, there was this one. It was called Mouse. He he worked as a mechanic for airplanes. And sometimes he would go on the test drives for, or flights, test flights for the airplanes. Um, and so he would be stuck on the airplane for hours and hours, but they're um, private jets. And so they didn't have any kind of open entertainment systems like they were all like private fancy things that they weren't allowed to touch so you'd just be stuck up there with nothing to do and he was like yeah so one time on one of these flights someone had this graphic novel called mouse that they let me read and for those who don't know mouse is not that long of a of a graphic novel and like graphic novel means like a comic like it's pictures with like word bubbles um and he got like i, I think he said like a quarter or a half of the way through and then decided to just stare at the wall for the rest of the flight rather than continue and finish and Oof. yeah so anyway after investigation he had literally never in his life read a book and i was like mm, mm, okay oh, okay this is probably exactly what one should expect from tinder it's good we're doing great <laughs> I feel like there's always going to be ba bad dating stories until you find the one, right? And then you only need one successful one. Ah, that's one way people view it. <laughs> but the bad stories make it fun and entertaining, and it's fine. It's uh, it's all very low stakes. It's all good. Sure. We're going to round the corner and head to home with, with the ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. It's a rapid-fire question round where I ask you three questions that you answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Are you ready? Okay. I, I'm as ready as I'm going to be. Where is your favorite place that you've visited in Germany? Uh, Munster. Number two, what is your go-to pizza order? Oh, I'm all over the place. Usually I see pizza as a vehicle to put hot sauce in my body. So um, I'm really thinking about the hot sauces that I'm going to be using. <laughs> and finally... If you could teach your dog to say one word in English, what would you teach him to say? Oh, my God. Um, I need to teach him two words, like home and walk. because So he's very small and cute. He also doesn't – I don't walk him with a leash because he just follows right behind me most of the time. Though he does – he is sometimes an asshole, and so he'll just, he'll just stop, but he doesn't make any sound. So he just stops and he, <laughs> and he sits there and then I'm, I keep walking. Right. And so I turn around and I see that it's, uh, he's like 200 meters behind me. And so I have to like, the only way to get him to come to me is if I uh, crouch down and then he'll come running up. And so <laughs> I just want him to tell me whether he wants to continue to walk or if he wants to go home. Yeah. <laughs> this would be uh, way more convenient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But less cute. I feel like this whole process where you have to bend down and be like, open your arms for him to run into. That's that's a way more adorable version of events. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that he would still make me do that. Uh, <laughs> that's a part of his personality. Just because he can say the words wouldn't mean that he would. He would yeah, make you exactly. work for it still. Exactly, yeah. 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 <laughs> Very good answer. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experiences yeah. and thoughts. This was fun. It's been, it's been great talking to you, Nicole. And I look forward to seeing you soon. 
Thank you again, Justin, for coming onto the show and humoring me with all of my questions and theories about dating as a foreigner in Germany. And if you caught him saying that at the end, that's because by the time this episode airs, we'll have met in person. I loved Nuremberg so much when I went a couple months ago that I'm back for more fun, this time with all the great tips that Shannon gave me in the Travel Germany Nuremberg episode a couple weeks ago, and I'm getting to meet up with Justin and several of his friends while I'm there. So yay, super fun, I love when worlds collide. If you want to see what I ended up getting up to while I was in Nuremberg, you can follow along on Instagram at the expatcast. Or you can also follow me on Twitter, also at The Expat Cast. I want to thank you guys for tuning into this episode. And please, I would love to hear your dating experiences. Also, I totally want to hear your horror stories. Please, please hit me with them. We'll be back in your feeds on Thursday with the season finale of season four, our 100th episode. Can you believe it? Until then, have a wonderful week. Bis dann. Tschüss.